Raquel, imagine Paul McCartney is looking for a secretary. Hang on, I'm imagining it. I'm imagining it. He's he's very emphatic on two points. Oh, hang on. Okay. The, the ideal candidate for this role will one, it must be satisfied that it's a temporary job. Must <laughs> okay. be sat. Number two, must be willing to perform the duties of a secretary. Well, yeah, that's like the. I mean, the, that bit is very important. I Although think, he like, does say job role. he's happy for her to pursue other other projects when it's not too busy. Well, you'd hope so if it's a temporary role. Yeah. Okay. And that that's and then imagine that to with incredible electronic futuristic synthesizer sounds in the background. Incredible electronic futuristic incredible. Sounds. And that is the music that I've recently become obsessed with. It's the only music I'll hear anything of now. <laughs> is what is the solo it? career of Paul McCartney? So not not like Wings. Not Wings. Is this separate to no, that as well? Band. Okay, no, right. He did. He did some albums where it was only him playing. It was him playing all the instruments. Okay, so like, look, the background to this is that he made a single in 1980 called "Temporary Secretary." It was part of the album McCartney Two, and it's kind of had a resurgence in the last few years of kind of fan interest and enjoyment. It's a song that is from right at the dawn of the the synthesizer age, and right. he's kind of. He's nearly there. He's got. He's not quite got the right sound. Is but you can. He's onto something. You can tell. So is is it any? Is it actually? Is it actually good? Okay, I do quite like. First of all, temporary. Secretary, no, that's not. That's very, not why I asked. I did not. I did not ask if you like it. I well, said, what is, is it actually it, good? What is it that makes something good? I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're going to get into this with um one I, of the things you got on your list later. I think McCartney. It, he presage, he presages a lot of a modern lo-fi indie music trend, and he did right, it okay. in 1980. Okay, like, now, McCart- now I'm into it. McCartney you too, the lo-fi stuff. It, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's it was him. So the, the McCartney albums, the, the McCartney one, two, and three. It's him playing all the instruments. All so it's layered on top of each other. He's played every part of it, and it has a very like. Low budget, like because the, the the final Beatles albums, Beatles albums were very highly produced, like slick, glossy. Yeah. But he's got like a complete um, one man band sort of lo-fi sound. I think he recorded some of them in his house. Although that said, it's the house of like Paul McCartney in 1980, so he was pretty rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but that is not the same as just me or you recording it. In yeah, house. true, but. Listen, I, I was quite stunned. Listen to McCartney from 1970. Listen to McCartney 2 from 1980. Ten years later, he it has that lo-fi sound. Some of these tracks could go on like a lo-fi playlist and you wouldn't have to modify them. If I was to put 30 seconds of this song as the podcast intro music for this episode, how quickly do you reckon we'd get a cease and desist? Oh, McC- Paul McCartney's a chill bloke, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he owns the. Pro- I know. I imagine he doesn't own the producer rights for it or the production rights. I don't. I don't know. Because uh, I'm pretty sure, like the Beatles, I'm pretty sure is owned by Apple Music now. Uh, well, no. Okay, this is a misconception. So, the Beatles had their own record label called Apple. It wasn't right. Apple Computers. Okay. But to, in the latter half of the Beatles' career, they um they had their own record label co- called Apple. So that is not Apple Computers. The okay. Beatles library, as far as I know, was bo- a lot of the Beatles library was bought by Michael Jackson 
when oh, he was yeah. alive. And so I think they're still owned by the Jackson estate. I don't know who that's being administered by or who inherited. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like Paul McCartney doesn't own it, though. But the, No, but this is his own stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look here. He's got producer label Parlophone UK. Uh, so... Yeah, I because Paul McCartney's yeah, been fighting for ages to have like the rights back for his songs. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he still owns his solo stuff. It is, it was put on Columbia Records in the US, but that's just the label. I don't know if they they got the rights to it as well. As of February fifth, two thousand and twenty-one, Michael Jackson still owns the publishing rights to the Beatles music. Yeah, but this I'm not talking about the Beatles music. No, I know, I know. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, uh, just sorry. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, he and he performed Temporary Secretary live in like 2017. Oh, okay. That's a song good. that was a song that was never meant to be heard live because of his like heavy electronic music soundtrack. People play electronic stuff all the time. I'm live now though. Yeah, but when when he was he wrote that song in the 80s, it was not meant to be. That's interesting. Anyway, what um what started this? Like what what caused uh, it was this? My, my mate Will. We were talking about David Bowie's Laughing Gnome. Have you heard the Laughing Gnome? <laughs> no. Okay. No, not. So, so some more musical background time. <laughs> so David Bowie, as we know, uh, he hit, he became like a big star with the release of Ziggy Stardust in, I think, 73? Yeah. But he actually, he had been active playing music for like most of the last decade. He started kind of playing music semi-professionally uh, at the age of 16 in 1963, so 10 years earlier. And he spent most of the 60s basically trying anything to make it big. Uh, he was he was in several bands. He was like in seven or eight bands, I think, over the course of the 60s. He had a mime act for a while. He was a mime. <laughs> of course he did. Um, it, was the, it was the late 60s. Everyone was a mime. He was cool. <laughs> that was the law. Yeah, that was the law. Everyone had to be a mime in swinging London. <laughs> and uh, and in 67 i think it was uh kind of he was listening apparently to a lot of like velvet underground and like stuff combining sort of story driven songs and like spoken word with music and stuff um but he decided to do a comedic twist and he recorded a, a novelty song called the laughing gnome it was not right. a hit, and he later described it as the most embarrassing thing he ever did. But um, <laughs> and and he threatened to sing it live several times as a joke, but sadly never did before he died. Uh, I mean, we all do stupid shit when we were teenagers, right? Just some of us oh, don't end up being the yeah, biggest certainly. biggest musical artist in the world. Yeah, true, exactly. And he was, you know, he was trying. It was the sixties. People were trying a lot of things musically. He he was just trying to get a hit, right? And um, he recorded an embarrassing single. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was talking about that, and we were talking about um, famous musicians that kind of recorded slightly, uh, slightly f weird songs. Yeah. And he mentioned Temporary Secretary by Paul McCartney. As far as I know, this song kind of re-entered the public imagination because um, of, a, of a gaming channel. There's a, there is a, a link, a gaming link here, a video game link, uh, a, a channel called <laughs> Mega64. Oh I yeah, think, my, one who, of my favourites. Who are fairly well, yeah. Oh, well, they apparently mentioned it quite a lot, like in kind of 2014-2015 time. They, so one of them kind of discovered temporary secretary, and they would. It was like a joke between them, apparently, and they kind of uh, semi semi encouraged people to tweet at the Paul McCartney account, because, <laughs> while you play this live on your new tour, and he eventually did. 
<laughs> uh, and they, they, they may well have been responsible for getting Paul McCartney to play this song. They've got a surprising amount of influence. Like they're yeah, they're so they're massive, but I do feel like they fly under the radar sometimes. That, that's the story of Temporary Secretary, and actually McCartney too. I think is really a cool album, and it presages a lot of modern music trends. Very good. So well, go I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you're having a good time. How are you? How, welcome to the Nerd Under Did, did podcast. I tell you by the way before you do the okay? Intro, sorry, I'll, I was. We're, we're, <laughs> I I was considering getting a new hi-fi, uh, getting like a proper hi-fi system. Like a speaker set, yeah, like speakers and like a proper like hi-fi unit that could kind of actually output good sound to them. Yeah, uh, see, that would be cool, and I quite want to do it. My problem is, if I did that, I would want to buy my favorite albums on CD so I could hear them at peak quality, and that. So not only so wait, buying is, a hi-fi. Is, wait, is CD peak quality now? Yeah, so uh, CD I vinyl is basically peak quality. No, so I'm so it, confused. It, it depends how you measure quality. I out. wish people would just decide already. So CD is kind of objectively like the best quality in terms of like anything you can measure is in terms of like fidelity, in terms of like depth of sound, uh, how like clear the music is and like basically everything related to like reproducing actually being there in the room uh, with it being played. CD is the best quality you can get currently. Okay. Uh, Whereas vinyl, it is, um, like, in those technical terms, lower quality. People like it. They say it's got... They, the term is, like, they say it's got a richer sound, right? People like the analogue sound of vinyl, the pops, the cracks of a record, stuff like that. They say yeah. it gives it more of kind of a personal feeling. I don't like those bits, but I like vinyl anyway. Okay, cool. But C- CD is, techni- in technical terms, the best quality you can get. Uh, so what I would want to do, if I had, like, an actual good hi-fi system i'd want to buy my favorite albums on cd to like hear them at peak quality which means i'm not i'd not only be getting the hi-fi i'd be committing to like building a library of cds is this why in japan um a lot of video game collectors soundtracks come out on cd as opposed to vinyl yeah i would assume so i feel like vinyls are very i mean i could be completely talking out my ass here because I've done no research whatsoever. <laughs> but just from like a, a brief look at it, I feel like t- vinyl is a lot more Western. I don't know. May- maybe, I know like CDs became popular in Japan a bit earlier. Okay. Because if they were like driven by like Sony Corporation and stuff like that. Yeah. So may- maybe that's that's just it. But I'd, vinyl could be big in japan we actually have just, no idea we're, we're Googled, ignorant. is vinyl more western than yeah. eastern and nothing's coming up like no, no one's questioned this before so um, who, who knows i'll find out next year if, if you live in japan or are japanese get in <laughs> yeah, touch look, when let I us my, know do, is vinyl big when i when i do my um japanese trip next year the three weeks i'm spending in japan i will figure it out I'll look for people's investigate. windows. Cal investigates. Cal investigates. Do, do, do the Japanese Japan. listen to vinyl records? <laughs> Just a... <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Welcome to the Nerd Under Geek podcast. I'm your host, Cal Doughty. With me, as always, is everybody's friend, Scott Hunter. Hi. It is episode 68. We're recording this on a Thursday the 14th of October, 2020. Because Cal was doing something at the weekend? No, yeah, I was, I was working on my new video, which I have not yet finished because I have had an incredibly busy couple of weeks as I started my new job. That's been fairly difficult and stressful, and I didn't want to force myself to essentially do 
my hobby, I guess. Like, as soon as you feel like you're forcing something because you feel like you have to do it, it becomes work as well, right? Like, if, if, so, so I sort of just decided I was going to work on the video, I was going to do the podcast, and I was like, I can't mentally yeah, do fair. it while also while also having done like a very difficult demo job. The first day, let me give you a bike update. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, one okay. of those in a while. Beep, 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 beep. It's Cal's bike update. It's a bike update. Um, I, I'm I'm picturing of the intro music of that is like a little ring ring and then like a car crash sound. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cal's bike update. If I, <laughs> well, maybe I won't be able to. I'm 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 saying maybe I'll edit it in, knowing I probably won't edit it in. Uh, um, bike update. So. Imagine how if you if you started a new job right, and you were the leader of a team, what would you do to make them respect you on your first day? Uh, I'd probably uh, shake their hands very firmly. Maybe, okay. maybe you know, have a staring contest uh-huh. that kind of thing. Would you get a flat tire on the side of uh, a very busy main road? halfway between your home and work and have to get one of your new subordinates to come and rescue you. (laughs) Because that's what I did. That was what my first day was. I called my boss, um, who I already know, thankfully. I worked under him before. And I was like, look, this has happened. Could you give me the number for a taxi so I can just call a taxi and get one big enough to fit me and my bike into into it so to, to get me to work? And I was like, no, don't worry. I'll get someone to come and collect you. Then just sent one of my team <laughs> who didn't have a big car and who we had to sit at the side of the road figuring out how to get the wheels off my bike so we could fit it all in their car. First day. And I just like, said to him, please respect me. Please. Uh, let's all forget about this right now. So that was like my first day, and the rest of the week I had no bike, and it completely threw off my entire like, what's what's you, you just just entire Your routine routine yeah. Your mojo exactly. It completely threw me off, and so while the, while the week itself was mostly fine, that stuff either side of getting to and from work and just sort of general stress of trying to sort my bike out, I was just like, no, this isn't. I'm not. I'm not doing anything else. That's my. That's my. Hard work stuff done for the week, which sounds petty, but I'm mentally ill, so give me a break. How have you been, Scott? I've been okay. Yeah, I've done. I've done a lot of stuff. You have, have and I'm excited for it. I've done stuff. Yeah, have I told you I've been swimming as well? I've taken up some swimming. I feel like you mentioned it to me. I can't remember if you did it on the podcast or not, but I feel like you mentioned you were going to at the very least. It's it's nice. It's fun. I like swimming. But what I was thinking when you're thinking about your talking about like your perception of things, um, I find I do get that as well when I go swimming. If I'm in a good mood, I find yeah. I'm very chill. If I'm in a what I tend to do, if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm feeling insecure, I tend to think that my lifeguard is like judging me as I swim. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I bet he thinks I'm shit. Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. Uh, he probably stop doesn't. looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely, his lifeguard definitely doesn't think that. He's he's definitely seen he some worse people than you. He's probably thinking, "Oh fuck, it's seven a.m. and I'm here." Are you go? Wait, you go swimming in the morning? I go swimming in the morning. Whoa, not sure about that. I could. That couldn't be me. 
I know I cycle. Oh, good job it's not you, then. It's not me. Yeah, (laughs) it both couldn't and isn't. (laughs) So that's that's good. I'm I'm happy for you. Are you the guy who, like, cycles? Do you have, like, cycling gear and you change at work? Or do you arrive at work covered in sweat? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I wear... I tend to wear... Because I, I we, work is like smart casual, so you have to wear a shirt and things. But I can wear like jeans, like dark jeans with my shirt, shirts. but no tie. So I I tend to wear my jeans, which I'm going to be wearing at work anyway, uh, unless Your it's cool jeans, my cool jeans. And then I will wear a t-shirt on my bike, and I'll just take the t-shirt off, get rid of all my sweat, deodorant eyes, and all of that. I don't get that sweaty because I don't push myself too hard, but I still get a little bit sweaty. And then I get changed at I basically put a shirt on at work when I'm cool down a little bit i don't if i was showering part of the reason i have a bike is to get to work quicker because it take if i was to if i was to not have a bike it would take me half an hour to work so the tram stop another half an hour on the tram to get to work whereas with a bike it just takes me half an hour so that's one reason to have a bike and obviously the other half is exercise but if i was going to shower at work as well that negates the being able to get up later and get to work on time thing so yeah, I don't don't do the whole shower at work thing, and no one has complained yet, so it's okay. okay good. Uh, good. This is a video game podcast. How do you want to talk about some things you've been doing over the past? Yeah, weeks? sure. So because you've got a lot on your list here. Yeah. What do you want um, to start with? Uh, let's go with because this is like a news article, and it's also a, a game I've played. Okay, you, oh, hmm, okay, interesting. Do you want to do GTA Trilogy? GTA I was going to say, okay, can I give you an order to do your things in? Yeah, <laughs> let sure. me just Let me just rearrange your things <laughs> a little bit. Um, there you go. All right, ask me again. What have you done the past two weeks? Well, Cal, <laughs> I have played Tetris Effect on Switch. How is Tetris Effect on Switch? The Tetris Effect came out. It's good. It is a portable version of your Tetris Effect that you might have got in maybe your home Xbox or your computer. Or PS... Your PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah. All right, so Tetris Effect is Tetris. Uh, Do you remember the game Rez? Yes. It's the guy who did Rez. He's very well-known. Who's the guy who did what? Guy who... Who did Rez? He's well known for doing these games that are link what you're doing on the game to like sound and um, vibration. Did you type in guy who did Rez? Yeah, I did. Did it give you the information you needed? I think so, yeah. And directed by Jun Kobayashi. (laughs) Producer Tetsuya Mizuguchi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... That's good. I think that I'm correct in saying that. It's the guy, the guy who did Luminous for definite. Yes, it is. Um, Tetris, so yeah, Tetris Effect is like Tetris, but if it was also a music video. Right? Is that how you describe it? Tetsuya Mizuguchi, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's as you... Um, if you've ever played Luminous or if you've played Res or anything like that, you are playing this game, you're playing Tetris, and then there's a musical, there's a soundtrack, and also very good, the thing... Very good, and the things that you do in the game contribute to the soundtrack. Yeah, so it's, it's when you move like a piece, a... it could be like a drum beat, or it could be some like a voice note, or yeah. anything like that. You're 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 sort of contributing to the to the so orchestra. In your, a way. your natural movements as you play the game 
contribute to music the music kind of swells over time and yeah. changes it's i would recommend it if you love tetris or your puzzle games like i do luminous was great as well i recommend my only complaint with tetris effect is as far as i can tell no like marathon mode which just goes through the different yeah modes. that's that is disappointing um like i'm not sure what that would look like necessarily in this sort of game but i mean you can do marathon tetris in a lot of places yeah. on your so switch already you, you have the single player journey mode where you have different levels which are different songs to go through in kind of in order that's all good and also it's tetris effect connected which means there's like some multiplayer stuff have you done the connected not, stuff yet i've done a little bit of connected stuff but you have not only do you have like direct multiplayer but you do have like global challenges and stuff like that and different little bits to do is so tetris cool. effect cross connected cross platform because if so i'd be up for playing okay. some of that with you i would would do it if it's cross platform it's also on. I know it's cross-platform with like PC and Xbox, and it is on Game yeah. Pass. So there's, there's that. Uh, yeah, how does I, it? I had it on Game Pass before. So how does it look and run? It looks great. Runs no fr- frame rates. Brilliant. That's um, wait. So my, there's no there's no frame rate drops at all. No, not that I could detect. That's because I was playing it, it in the, handheld mode. On the so PS4, there was. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I was I was playing it in handheld mode. So it looks nice. 720p. It looked nice. Uh, my only complaint was no vertical mode. Yeah, Would've you said that. You said that to me, and I'm not sure. Like, if you did, if you did did the vertical mode, you wouldn't get any of the background stuff. True. I mean, I wouldn't say it's essential. I would have liked the option to do the vertical mode, uh, and the HD rumble is a nice little touch. Oh, nice. Okay. I, I, a lot of games have not really done much with the HD rumble, so it's nice that that's a thing in it. Cool. Um, how much is Tetris Effect on Switch? It is twenty. Well, it's on sale. It was on sale when I bought it for twenty five pounds, and I think that's a little bit off. Yeah, I RRB. think it might be thirty percent off or something. When yeah, it so it might actually be thirty five pounds. I say for twenty five pounds, it's a bargain. Yeah, thirty five. Thirty five. I mean, it's not a long a game. Much. Considering you can get it on Game Pass, like I was quite aware. Like I've got it on Game Pass already. I was quite willing to pay the money for it on Switch because it's a game I will play a lot in Portable. Yeah, of course. I've heard it looks real good in that Switch OLED. Like, there's a and reason they launched you it the same me, day as You messaged me saying, I'm a fucking chump, I want to buy a Switch OLED. I haven't bought it, but that's only, like, only because in the period where I very, like, I easily would have just pressed yes, buy, it was sold out, and it still is sold okay. out as far as I'm aware. So I'm safe from buying it. There was just, like, look, it came out. And the way people are describing it, they say it's an upgrade equivalent to the GBA to GBA SP. That sort of upgrade, which is pretty big upgrade. Like, did you ever, did you go from GBA to GBA SP at all? No, I just had an original uh, GBA. I, see, I, I did. And going to the SP where it had a, like a backlight was mind blowing. So to have like an upgrade like that in in the Switch is. I've seen a few people say that, which makes me suddenly like, oh, I want it, even if it has no other like power differences whatsoever. But also, um, I imagine in a couple of weeks' time, the excitement of that will die down, and I will no longer want it. So I'm glad Probably, it's yeah. I'm glad it's sold out right now. <laughs> but I also appreciate that I am a chump. Uh, anything else you want to say about Tetris Effect on Switch? No, it's good. I like Tetris. People should play Tetris. I'm glad. It's a good I so I told you. But I bought this over Metroid Dread. Even though I like the look of Metroid Dread, I thought for 50 quid it was a bit dear. Yes. 
And you're glad you, you feel good in that choice, do you? I still kind of want Metroid Dread. I guess there's no reason why I can't buy it. I just think it's a bit much. Yeah, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Actually, let's let's talk about that now because you, what you're saying essentially is that for a Metroidvania, which there's been indie, like what you said to me was that there's been indie Metroidvanias you played recently, uh, or in the past year or two, which were like twenty quid, say. Is this really a significantly better game, which is worth thirty pounds yeah. more? Is, is, than is it worth Hollow Knight and Ori combined? Yeah, um, and Yoku's Island on its rest. And it's a difficult thing to like think about, right? Because because obviously the production values of Metroid Dread are significantly higher than those games. Like, like Hollow Knight, especially, is made by a very small team. Ori is made by a slightly bigger indie studio, but it's still an indie studio granted with the backing of Microsoft. Uh, Yoko's Island Express, very small studio. And they're, certainly with the case of Hollow Knight and Yoko, while their graphics do look very nice, in terms of actual scope and production values, it's significantly lower than what you're getting with Metroid Dread. And so, like, the price... But Hollow Knight looked great, though. It looks great. But the production values in total, like you, you certainly don't have like the cinematic flair that a Metroid has, for example. Um, Maybe I'm just not a big Metroid boy. But that's but that's the thing. But also, like you've got to think about whether that matters to you, because if it's the sort of thing where you don't actually care that much, if if you can see the eyes behind Samus's visor, or there's some cool cinematic action shots as she flips around uh, an enemy to defeat them then I suppose the £50 isn't worth it. But to, for people who want their trip, like their AAA version of those sort of games, who want the production values to, and know that it's being made with the Nintendo level of polish, I suppose that's where that higher price comes from? Yeah, I guess it's not going to harm Nintendo if I don't pay it. Like We know Nintendo games do tend to cost money. Yeah, although they have been slightly better with sales recently so i imagine if you if you were happy to wait you could probably get it for like 20 percent off at some point oh yeah definitely so, i'm gonna see what they thought of it on the gymquisition this week yeah. there are no other podcasts but i'm gonna see <laughs> yeah yeah i mean everyone i follow in the game sphere seems to be going nuts about it but then they also I've heard it's proper hard but yeah i've heard that as well but then they also went nuts over death loop and then people have also very much seemed to have cooled on that recently so I am hesitant to be like, I've got. Oh, I want to follow what the people are saying immediately upon the release of this game. Like you tend to get people's real thoughts. I find like a couple months after the fact. But I don't know. Maybe you know, dis- distance to a game which you enjoy. Which 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 opinion is the one that is more accurate? The one as you're playing it and you're excited, or the one when you've had time to think about it? What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. Uh, the, se- the second one, definitely. Do you reckon? Because well, surely the I... one that, that happens as you're playing something maybe matters more because that's how the other person's also going to feel as they're playing it. I guess so. But if your requirement for enjoying a game is like, you must already be excited for it, I guess that's a good po- that's a good people point. already, already yeah. know that they're going to buy it, though. Yeah. It's a good point. Like, it, like these people who are clearly like definitely already excited about it. They say, "Oh, you only get a two D Metroid game every ten years or whatever." Then I suppose, I mean, yeah, Metroid fans are starved, aren't they? So they they really are. Um, so does would that? In, I suppose it's you sort of have to consider whether that would influence the glowing praise at all. 
I find it interesting anyway. I personally find that sort of stuff uh, quite interesting, especially when I noticed it with Deathloop, just how much people called on it after saying it was maybe the best game in recent years. Have you not heard of Deathloop? I'm looking it up now. It was pretty big for a bit. Oh, I didn't play this. No, you didn't play it. It came out this year. We've not talked about it. I've not got it. Because it's one of those things where the I was FPS. playing something else. It's a, oh, I remember this one. It's like a time loop FPS, but like a like a sandboxy sort of thing where you've just got this world you constantly go back into. I heard it was all right. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. But people are, again, people have called on it recently compared to a few months ago where they said it was like the best thing ever. It's, I don't know what to believe anymore. Um, speaking of playing things that I think might be the best thing ever, Eastwood. Eastward? Oh yeah, so people have been going nuts over Eastwood. It is really fucking good, Scott. It's, so what um, is Eastwood? Eastwood or Eastwood? How would you say this? So how? I'm saying is Eastwood. Is, is, is Eastwood? Yeah, but it, it's just it also Eastward would be. It's spelled East W A R D, but in an English accent like ours, it's just Eastwood. Okay, Eastwood. So you go Eastwood. Eastwood is a. Pixpill. Pixpill. So I want to get this right. Shanghai. It's uh it's a it's a it's a it's a top down I'm sorry, what I am I guessing that you don't know where Shanghai is? What country because you were like I swear you're about to say it's from Shanghai. It's it's from uh <laughs> it's a top down <laughs> I don't know where all the places are in the world. Well where's Shanghai Cal? Shanghai is its own place. <laughs> it's in a country. The East? Called the Mysterious East. Uh, it's in China. I thought it was going to be that. You just didn't want to say in case you weren't sure. In case I was wrong. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, it's a game from China. It's a game from China uh, where it's like a top-down, kind of a Zelda-like, kind of a jrpg like it's zelda like in that you walk around bashing things with a front you know like the way the way you control your character and attack things is very much in a zelda like you go through these dungeons you solve little puzzles there's chests you can open and gear that you get and there's a boss battle at the end that's what i mean when i say like it's a zelda like but it's a lot more linear than a zelda like and a lot more story driven than a zelda game a lot more similar to like a jrpg like there's a lot of dialogue in this game there's a lot of happy little towns you get to with people walking around, and so it's it's difficult to like set it one or the other. Plus, there's a mini game within the game which is a full blown Dragon Quest like RPG style game. Like it's it's black and white, and it's like playing a NES or get a GB a, a game a Game Boy Dragon Original, Quest game, yeah. like like playing that on a Game Boy. And you can like it's a full fledged thing you can play within the game, which is pretty cool. So I think it's definitely got a lot of jrpg roots but then the, de- the, de- the delivery is quite zelda like um but it has this beautiful pixel aesthetic to it all like everything is everything's like that it feels like they've drawn it by hand even though it's like pixels and it maybe has some of the most animated characters i've seen in a game this year like even though they're like these 2d pixel characters the way they move about makes me feel like they're characters from Ocarina of Time, which to me is one of the most animated Zeldas. Just it, If you think about Kakariko Village in Ocarina of Time, 
you think about those characters in there, like the builder man who's constantly sort of like stretching his jaw as he yawns and berates his sons for not building fast enough. Is that sort of level of animated where you can get the feeling of a character just by the way they move, like the way their pixel form moves across the screen. Like, like it's no one's just following a set like movement path. I feel like every character in this game moves and behaves differently to one another. And it's just, it's, it's really makes everything come to life in a way that I've not really seen in many 2d games. Like it feels like a Nintendo game in just how detailed it all is, but it's very much not. Um, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a pixelated Ghibli game in terms of its animation style, if that makes any sense to you. Oh, that makes sense to me. To the point where, like, that sounds pretty cool. I've been thinking about picking up Eastwood. There's a character early on with the surname Miyazaki because he's in, he, he looks like the the Ghibli guy. So it's it's um it's pretty good. I I'm having a lot would, of fun with it. Would you say it has much JRPG stuff in it? How much of a JRPG is it? Not really much of a JRPG, other than like a lot of dialogue. It's not really you. You're not like leveling up your character or anything, really. Like you, you get you gain hearts like you would in a Zelda. It's certainly closer to a Zelda than it is to a JRPG. All right, but dialogue's a bit I don't care about though. Oh right, there's quite a bit of dialogue, and it's it's like it's got a surprisingly dark story. Um, I'm only about a quarter of the way through of it so like so far, so my opinion may very well may change as I get towards the end. But certainly right now, I'm really loving it. If it if it keeps this level for the entire like rest of the game, it's my game of the year. Okay. To give you an, an idea of how, how much I'm loving it, um, it's a game I saw and I like I knew I would like, but I'm playing it and it's just really damn good. Do you remember in like the late 2000s when games review sites would do, they do video game reviews and they'd be like graphics, nine, yeah. gameplay, eight, yeah. story, seven. That was a very weird time. So can you give me a rating of a story, Cal, out of 10? I can't because I've not finished it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so eight out of 10 then. Yeah. <laughs> it's well written. I'll give it. I'll give it that much. I think the characters are, are pretty well written. There are some bits which where things just suddenly happen, and you feel like I felt, I felt like maybe I'd miss something, um, which might just be like a translation thing. But otherwise, it's well written, and characters speak in a way where I can give them a voice in my head. Like it's, it's got anime influences to it as well, obviously because that because that's all that lends itself to the Ghibli thing. And so characters speak in a way where I like, oh, I know what that character sounds like. Do they do the annoying thing where they have text box dialogue, but then the character plays like a sound clip that's not the same as the dialogue? No, it has. Um, I hate that. The 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 dialogue sounds is like Golden Sun. Did you play Golden Sun? I I did, but like twenty years ago. So that sort of like blue, 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 sort of noise okay. as, oh, as they fine. speak, you know. Uh, yeah, or animalese almost, you know, just like where the, where the, where the text just makes like a everyone has their own pitch and tone that represents their character but they're not there's no actual like words spoken by like a person it's just like it's just right. tones for their for their for their dialogue if that makes sense yeah it's good it's very good um 
I've been playing it at work mostly, sort of on my lunch breaks, but also like. Oh, not while you're working. Not while. You're you're not. You're not the team lead. (laughs) You've been brought into this new team, and you're like, new job. Get to work. Had you rescued on my first day, and I just spend the rest of the time with my feet up playing Switch, (laughs) standing up on the crack on with it. No, it's um. I've been playing on my lunch breaks, and then a bit before. I go to bed as well. It's like a, it's. I've been playing it entirely handheld, and it looks very nice on the Switch screen still. Like it, even even on like even on Switch, it looks great. Even I, on I, your your non OLED, even on my non OLED Switch, it looks great. Um, <laughs> in fact, I this game was. I've been looking into this a little bit, and I, I believe it was designed for Switch first, to the point where if you play it on PC at a resolution any higher than 720p, it will look blurry. Because I see. It's, because it's not designed for it. Like this art is designed to be displayed at 720p. Alright. And so I when I, I when I, I into when I played it on my um my OLED TV, uh it looked bad. Like it looked worse on my TV than it did on the switch <laughs> on the switch screen. It's very it's a very weird thing, but if you're gonna play it, play it on a at least play it at 720p or on a switch screen if you oh, handheld if you can. It's very good. I recommend it a lot. What's your next thing? I've played the Castlevania Advanced Collection, which also came out for Switch. We've, we've got Switch a, lot of Switch, a lot of Switch stuff going on we've this playing, week. Well, there have been some good releases for Switch. Yeah. How How is this? Because I feel like if there was any Castlevania collection I was going to buy, because there's the classic collection, and then this collection? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. This is the one I would probably get. Yeah. So it collects the three Castlevania games, which came out for Game Boy Advance. Yep. Very much made in the Metroidvania style uh, that became popular after Symphony Night. And it also has another game called, um, I think it was Dracula X or something like that, Ronda of Blood. I'm glad we both do our research on the games we're playing before we talk about them. Oh, but but I've not played it because everyone says that one is shit. It's not a GPA title. It was like a previously unreleased like Japanese title. Right, okay. For Castlevania or something like that. Yeah. yeah, you say I do my research, but I I can only speak from my personal. Anyone can go on Wikipedia, Cal. Any absolutely any or anyone can type in right now Castlevania Advanced Collection, <laughs> and they can go to a page which will tell you <laughs> what it includes. I mean, this is why I didn't know where Shanghai was. Castlevania Dracula X. Yes, which previously I think was kind of unreleased and is not a Metroidvania game. I think it's more in the vein of the classic ones. Um, it, was, it was originally Rondo of Blood, but I thought you liked the I classic have, ones. I do like the classic ones, but I've not played Dracula X. Maybe I should, but everyone is saying that it is shit. Okay. So apparently, it's the hardest one. It's the hardest of the classic games. It's yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll give it a go. What's but the story what of played, the other advanced? What games? I have played is. Castlevania Circle of the Moon, okay. originally just Castlevania in Europe, and I've played Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance about halfway. Um, I've not played Aria Sorrow, which is the third one yet, but I've played I played kind of good chunks of both the first and second games. I got Harmony of Dissonance for free on Xbox this month as like as like games with gold thing. Oh, you can tell me about it then. I've not played it. Is it good? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, so the first one, uh, they, they've all got basically the same story. You're out to kill Dracula. You're lost in his castle. Um, you... I've seen the Castlevania enemy, and that's yeah. uh, that's a full-on story that goes through four seasons. So what do you the, mean the they're all the same? The story in these games is very basic. 
Okay. Uh, then they, how did they make a full anime on it? How, how did they make a full anime? Um, they, they wrote it themselves. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they came up with new ideas in the writer's room. Very good. Uh, so so you're, you're in a little castle or a big castle. You, 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 Big castle, and it's very much in the Metroidvania vein of you start out, you get items which upgrade your movement to progress, uh, and you get and you get XP and level up as well in this one as well, just like Symphony of the Night. So it's very much in that vein. Um, and you can see... Vatvania, and you can see definitely from the first to the second one that things like improve as they get went on. The first one, they um, are st- it's a bit bare bones, uh, I've kind of given up on the first one at a point that got real bullshit. Okay. Where there are like there are enemies which are like swords, which will like fly and they will like charge at you and then like go through the floor and the ceiling and stuff. So you very difficult to hit them. And then there's a bit where there's like three of them at once and a big guy with a whip, and it's just it's bullshit. Okay. That bit is bullshit. Yep. But maybe I'll come back to it one day. But the game's got a rewind feature. So that's nice. It's got, in terms of emulation, it's got rewind, it's got save states, it's got customizable controls. You can play the games in any, in, you can switch between the European, North American and Japanese versions. What are the, what are the differences other than language? I, I do not know necessarily if there are any major differences. I would imagine you can the do European it. versions are at 50, H, H, 50 hertz. For, for the GBA as well. Because oh okay, yeah, I forgot. Because the, no, but it wouldn't be because the GBA no. had an LCD screen, didn't yeah, it? And the fifty hertz standard was for the old CRT TV. Who the fuck knows? Then maybe it's blood. Maybe it's blood. Maybe it's just language. If you want the language to be different, um, I don't know. But yeah, you've got some nice features like that. That's good. Um, and each of the games has like their own little gimmick as well. Like the first one is um, enemies drop like. Um, little cards and you can combine that cards you can equip them to give you powers and you can kind of combine them into like power combos that's pretty cool uh, the second one i think from the second one is Symphia- symphony of the night's director what's his name uh, i don't know symphony of the night he's the guy who made symphony of the night oh yeah <laughs> dracula he also he also recently made um, uh, Igarashi, Koji Igarashi. Um, kind of come, apparently came on board from the second one, and you can definitely see it getting a bit more slicker. Some of those Symphony of Night. Castlevania is is like a a blind spot in my gaming knowledge because I've never played them or really had much involvement with them. Like I have a not a lot of knowledge for games I've not played, but Castlevania for some reason is one of those where I'm like, I don't know. Who knows? I think the I think the games look fine, but they clearly were not made to be on a screen of the size of a TV. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask how they'd age because I think a lot of GBA games have aged fairly well. I I don't the... mind the art style, and I think it looks very good on the handheld. Would does it look nice comparatively to Symphony of the Night, or is it worse uh, than that? Well, Symphony of the Night hasn't been released on Switch, so was that a PlayStation um, game? That was a PlayStation game, okay. so it, would it definitely look would look better. GBA. Yeah. What about compared to the SNES games? Uh, they have a different an art style all their own. I would say they look um, not quite as animated. Like the budgets clearly weren't as high as for like Super Castlevania Four. Okay. But they they have a, a a charm. I think they look fine. They look. I won't say they they have like distinctive visuals. So like a graphic six then. Yeah, Seven maybe because six means yeah. shit. 
Any lower than I don't six. Know what you're saying. Any lower than six, and the graphics are broken. Oh, a rating system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seven out of ten is a kiss of death, isn't it? Seven. Let's say seven point five graphics. Okay. So seven seven point three. Yeah, all right. 73%. How did they ever differentiate, like, the point <laughs> zero one of fucking hell? Um, so, yeah, so story, 57%. Uh, <laughs> graphics, 73%. Gameplay, 84%. They're, they're fun. If you, it, it was, like, proper cheap as well. It's, like, £16 or something. And I think for three good GBA games and maybe one not-so-good SNES game, you're laughing. Good, good games are worth good value forever. And and they're like a good like dozen hours each, I say. If you're like me and you like to explore every little corner. I don't. I, I, I that sounded like a joke. Oh. But I, I genuinely yeah. Oh, in that um, case there'll be less time. I it's it's rare that I feel like I I purposely explore every nook and cranny of a game because I have so much I want to play, and I like moving on to new games and like finishing finishing yeah. them off. Like it's it's a uh, rare game are, where these I'm are like, like little bite sized. These are pretty bite sized little games. I feel like there's been a few games recently or this year where I've been like, oh, I wanted to do all this extra stuff in it, and like Final Fantasy VII remake was one of them where I replayed that to 100 percent again for a second time. Um, I can't think of any others. <laughs> this year <laughs> but i feel like there has been but it's a rare it's a rare occasion uh okay. whereas typically i'm like okay i own over a thousand games i can't i don't want to just focus on one game but i'm glad that that stuff is there for people that's who... my take on castlevania advanced collection if you if, if you're a castlevania head like me if you <laughs> is that what they call them is that the fan, uh, uh, the fan uh, i'm vania mad i've got the mania for the vania <laughs> I like it. That's good. That's good. Um, I've already talked about a WarioWare video a little bit, which is I, definitely. I, I feel like I've given like some legit video game reviews this time, and I don't know how to feel about it. This isn't what I normally do. I know. It's, I like it. I think it's good. Okay. I think we should carry on in that in that vein in the future. Um, I've talked about a WarioWare yeah. video already. Uh, the WarioWare video, by the way, will be up on YouTube by the time this podcast goes live. Okay. So I've not made it while we're recording. But if you're listening to this, go on to youtube.com slash geek and watch my WarioWare video where I cook Omo rice at the same time as reviewing the game. Mm. It's good. I imagine. I hope. <laughs> I do some jokes in this one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some jokes in here. <laughs> they're not very good. But I acknowledge they're not very good in the video. Go watch. You'll, you'll know what I'm on about. It's been a weird couple of weeks. Uh, I've also made some game playlists on Spotify, so I've not been playing much else other than Eastwood, and I'm still finishing up Tales of Arise. I'm, I'm about uh, two-thirds of the way through that now, nearing the end of it. I've got a weekend free this weekend where my partner is away at a spa weekend, and so I'm on the way home tomorrow, I'm buying loads of food, and I'm just going to spend the entire weekend playing that, and I'm looking forward to it. But I want to get that stuff done... Um, because next month is the Final Fantasy fourteen expansion, Endwalker, and also Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. So I want to have things out of the way for those two, which release on the same day, which feels unfair Ooh. to did, did me personally. Uh, it feels I like tried an to install. I tried to install Final Fantasy fourteen, and it wouldn't update. 
What do you mean I'm at a standstill? I, I installed it and I had the client, um, I'd launch like the launcher and then it would try and update the game and then it would just say it couldn't update and I got fed up trying to fix it. You Have you created an account already? I have, yeah. Let's tech, let's, let's tech problem this at some point. Okay. Soon because Maybe I just need to uninstall and reinstall it. I want to play that with you, and it's. A, I'm about to re. Once I've finished Tales of Arise, I'm resubbing to prepare myself for the expansion, so it's a good time for you to jump in. So I'm available if you ever need it. So, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for you to give that a go. I hope you don't hate it, because I think I've recently decided it's my favourite game ever. Okay. Well, if I ever get to play it. <laughs> no pressure, but it is my favourite <laughs> game of all time. So if you don't like it, you're personally attacking me. Uh, I've put you together attach your identity to it so much. Yeah, <laughs> remember when in school when you insulted Nintendo, so I hit you. <laughs> I don't actually, but sure. I've got better since then, but there definitely was a time where I feel like I attached my identity to to things in a way that made me mad when people didn't like them. Uh, I've put together some games playlists, some video games playlists, which I've been putting on in the background as me and my partner play Fortnite. I've got a chilled one, which is called Tunes to Explore To, and I've got like a high energy one, which is called Tunes to Fight To, and I've basically collated a load of video game music which fits those vibes. Uh, both of them are around seven hours long, and the idea is you just put it on, hit play with shuffle on, and listen to a lot of really good video game music. Uh, just wanted to bring that up because I put a lot of effort into it, a lot of time into it, and I'm going to keep adding to them as time goes on. Cal, how can people find these places? Uh, they're in the bi- they're in the description of this podcast episode. All right, cool. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, good thing to have on in the background. I think I've been listening to them on my way to work sometimes as well. With non noise cancelling headphones, I can still hear the road. I'm safe. Don't worry. Tell me about the <laughs> tell um, me tell me about the Matrix trilogy, Scott. All right, yeah. All right. I'll when I when I saw this on the on the list, I laughed, and the reason okay, I laughed is, is because in the few weeks since we last did the podcast, I've also rewatched these films. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I, ready to I, talk to you about these because I finished the last one last night. I can't remember if I talked last time I or I've talked before. I watched a very good um, YouTube video from a good channel called uh, Curio Vids. Doesn't exist. About called. The Matrix sequels are good, actually. And you know what, uh, Scott? They are yeah. good. I've not watched this video. They, they are good, actually. And they're actually they? good. All right, and I'll tell you why, all right? Yeah. I'll tell you why. Let me hear why you... Because the Matrix, the Matrix Reloaded opens with a good, like, hour and a quarter of talking in this, like, two-hour action movie. And that exists to weed out the riffraff. If you got bored in the first <laughs> bit of Matrix Reloaded, you you failed the test. That the movie was aiming at you. The Ma- I wanted more talking. The Matrix Reloaded opens with a tease of what's to come later, with Trinity like doing whole like battle scene and bursting out of the out of the window, and then it's like stick About around seventy five minutes. Yeah. of internal Zionic politics. Oh, it's fucking good. It's really good. And talking, they they believe. And they have a big orgy. And yeah. to be fair, uh, to be honest, I think Matrix kind of short sells you on like human life in the future. Because if you're not like a m- member of one of these crews, they come out on these ships, right? You just get to live in Orgy City. Yeah. And it, it see, seems all right to me. It's pretty good. Like, this city, <laughs> until the end of the, f- of the final film, they're having a pretty good time. Like, you have to eat, eat that, like, gloop. But everyone is pretty down to fuck. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's like the best the best thing about it. Um what 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 so you watched him as as a result of this of this video that you watched? Yeah, because I wanted to give him a little critical reevaluation. Um prompted I, by this video essay. I always liked them. I've I have always liked the Matrix film. Revolutions of is the best one. Revolutions is right. fucking brilliant. It's the best one. <laughs> it's really good. What I think what people find difficult about it is that it becomes an anime movie. Like Yeah, that's what I because when they're flying around, I'm like, I wish I could see a Dragon Ball Z a live action Dragon Ball Z movie that with was this like production this. Value. I mean, the Wachowskis <laughs> uh have not been you know, they, they are not quiet about the fact of their love of anime. The film they made following The Matrix was a live action version of the nineteen sixty four anime Speed Racer, for example. Uh, I've not seen Speed Racer, I've gotta watch it. We've gotta watch it. I've not seen it either. Um they are massive anime fans, and the Matrix is packed to the brim with anime tropes. Neo is just a shonen protagonist. He starts off as as, as this like, like nerdy kid who, which society has forgotten about. He's at the, he's at the sides of like he's he's sort of like an outcast really. And then by the end of it, his power levels are just and through the roof. He becomes a kung fu woman. He become yeah exactly. At one point, towards the end of Revelations, when he hits his peak power. He gets a bandage across the eyes in just typical anime trope. Like the yeah. most powerful person always has something across their eyes, where they because it looks cool. Um, they are anime movies, but I think the first one is the least anime movie, and then the second and third one are just completely different films to the first one. Like, yeah, so the first, I think those movies. Look, it's one big movie, all right. I don't care. If well, the thing is, case, it's what's funny to but... me is that you call it the Matrix trilogy. But it's not. It's the Matrix series because did you watch the Animatrix? I didn't. You've know. missed a part of it. Okay. You've missed a part of the Matrix. We watched it. Matrix one, then the anim- Animatrix, then two and three. Um, and the Animatrix, like, there's bits in Matrix two which references stuff in them and the Animatrix. That sixteen-year-old kid who is basically saves the day in Revelations uh, with the robot um, is introduced in the Animatrix as a character. <laughs> He, it's Revolutions, the final one. That, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Revelations. Revolutions. I always get the names. It may, I mean, Revelations would also fix who in the Christ imagery. They've got Hugo Weaving is an absolute treasure. He's looking brilliant. He does. He just. I can't believe it. he played Smith and Elrond in the same year. Yeah, I can't believe these films came out in the same year. Oh yeah, like it's just. That, and also, the, the Siege of Zion scene could have gone on for another five hours and I would have been happy with it. That entire sequence of them like shooting the bullets at the hole that the, the robots are coming through, and then the, like, the, the, um, the drill falling from the ceiling, all of that shit is just absolutely brilliant. And you've got this, you've got top, this, like, this main like, army dude who shows up literally for the siege, who spends the entire time screaming, and it's great. Great performance, just absolutely great. But like, he doesn't exist before that siege, and he just gets brought in to be like an army man, mm-hmm. and it's fucking brilliant. I wanted, I wanted more talk. I want, I wanted more Zion Senate. Yep. I wanted them to create a committee to investigate the validity of his accusations. Yep. It's just, I, I'd recommend give it a watch and be prepared if you're going with the right mindset and you're not some like simpleton who will get bored <laughs> when they get when they talk. That's my my evaluation. What the funny thing is, <laughs> it's a series that is I feel I feel like is very aware of what it is and yet is very easy to be misread. 
like I think you could you could go into the mindset where you feel like it's taken taking itself too seriously, and it sometimes does take itself seriously, maybe more than it necessarily needs to, but also it's a vehicle for for cool shit. You should watch it like you watch Dragon Ball. Yeah, you should. Like, but but also, Cal, my favorite thing to do was to watch it, and whenever Morpheus, whenever Neo did anything like cool, I would say in a Morpheus voice. He's starting to believe. <laughs> right right up until the end. <laughs> he's starting to it's believe. Absolutely great. Like he's um it's like I, I mean it. When when I say the Matrix is a vehicle for cool shit, I mean it. I I think that it's so everything in that story solely exists so that the characters can just do a bunch of cool badass stuff. And I'm no, here for the it. talking the dialogue scenes are really good. But also the dialogue scenes are really good. Like there's a there's a lot of like deep stuff here, which again exists so that they can fly around and punch each other uh, in the ring. I, I would yeah, but like not not even for me. Like the, the movie's clearly driving at like points and stuff, that's fine. But like the characters all have like a weird chemistry with each other. It's a good chemistry as well. Like yeah. I believe Neo and Trinity are into each other. Like it's very easy in these sort of films to just have two lead characters who just look good, and so that's enough. But I feel like I do feel like these guys are like really into each other. Um, Morpheus is brilliant. Lawrence Fishburne is not a typical. He's not a typical like action man. Like you wouldn't necessarily if you if you were making like a a Marvel movie with Lawrence Fishburne in it, they would have made him lose weight. I feel like or buffed up even more than he currently is. But he doesn't necessarily need that in these films, and it still works. It's um, you. I don't feel. I feel like these films, as well, like feel unique as well. Like there's there's a a feeling to the films. There's a there's a tone to it all. There's a style that doesn't really exist outside of the Matrix trilogy. Like they feel like their own thing, which you can't say for a lot of action films. Would you? Agree? Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to make a habit now of watching like Matrix ripoffs from the early two thousands? Do they exist? Yeah, Cal. Let's watch together Ballistics X versus Sever. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And uh, Underworld. Have you seen Underworld? I've seen Underworld. I've not seen Underworld. Underworld is one of the many Matrix ripoff movies. Um, but yeah, check out this poster. This. It's funny. It's funny that people tried to do Matrix ripoff movies, considering how much those la- that's, that last film especially got slated. It didn't yeah, review but at vi- all. But this is in like the four year period between Matrix and Matrix Reloaded. Okay, I would highly recommend you watch the Animatrix, by the way, because if you like the talky bits, if you like knowing like yeah. the lore behind the Matrix, which is actually really cool, it goes in on that stuff. Oh god, that looks good. Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu. They're X and Sever. Tell me something was released in the early 2000s without telling me it was released in the early <laughs> 2000s. How can I watch the anime? Antonio Banderas. I don't know. I watched it um, on the internet. Okay, sure. I, I think you can, I think it's, well, you can get it on Amazon Prime for like four quid. Okay. Rent it or something. And the Underworld yeah. movies are still going now. What? Oh wait, I think I know that actually. Underworld um, Blood Wars twenty sixteen. Jesus. The Matrix four then. Or it's okay, what's difficult yeah. with the Matrix, okay, is that this was the 
what the Wachowskis did with it, similar-ish to what Marvel's done now, in that it exists, it's a cross-media universe where everything that is there for it is canon. So the Animatrix is canon and was released as a as like a canonical advertisement for the second Matrix and, and movie. also then there you was have ent- there was Enter the Matrix a video game and the Matrix online. Yeah, so Enter the Matrix and- has some stuff with the Captain Niobe. She's like the main character in Enter the Matrix, and there's some shit that she does in that, which gets referenced in the film. Like, there's a bit between her and Morpheus where he's like, I'm sorry. And I don't know what he's referencing because I'm pretty sure it happens in Enter the Matrix. And, and, and then you have the Matrix the, Online, online. Yeah. which, again, is ca- canonical to what happens after the end of like, the last Matrix film. And because the Vokalkis so, are turbo nerds, they are committed to uh, yeah. keeping all this canon. Yeah, and so I'm very interested in what happens in The Matrix Resurrections. Like I'm, I'm very interested in what they do with that, fucking, nineteen years later or however long it's been. When did I'm the Matrix re- uh, Revolutions come out? Two thousand three. So yeah, near, it'll be nearly twenty years. Later. It'll be nineteen years. God, that's crazy. And granted, it's only Lily, Lily Wachowski making it. Wachowski, what you know? Mm. Um, but I, I feel. Is it Lily or is it Lana? I have a feeling it's Lana. Well, who's Lily then? Is that a different person altogether? Y- you might have made I'm her so up. I'm so bad with names, Scott. I'm so bad uh, with who, names. Who it's Lana. It's Lana. <laughs> Lana. No, Lily's another um, person. Lily. Lily's one of the Wachowskis. It, okay. It, sure. Well, it's Lana they're, Wachowski. They're, who's they're making... Lily and Lana. <laughs> okay, so it's Lana who's making the film. Okay. Yeah. Are we sure? Yes. No. It is. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Is a fo- yes. Matrix Resurrections, an upcoming film, produced, co-written, directed by Lana Wachowski. If I ever have, it just okay. Cool. Um. Good. So from, I know oh, we've got. I know you want to talk about GTA. Apparently. Yeah, I'm. Ex- I'm excited for it. I think it's be good. It might be terrible, but then also it might be really good. But I don't know what's terrible for The Matrix. I think it's going to be a hard film to judge. But I do know we're going to do a special podcast episode for it. You heard it yeah. here first. Yeah. You literally heard it here first on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have not discussed this. Uh, do you want to talk about GTA 3 then? Yeah, I do. Because you apparently and, just uh, exist in the late 90s, early 2000s now. Apparently. Yeah, this is another early 2000s thing I've done. So I saw this news article. So let's look at this news article first. Uh, Rockstar Games has confirmed that they are going to do a remaster, I think, of their GTA trilogy. That is GTA 3, GTA Vice City, and GTA San Andreas, which were... Good games. Three GTA games, good games, uh, all made on the same engine back in between 2001-2005. And they are, I think it's going to be a remaster, not a remake. They haven't really given us any any screenshots or anything or much info about how much they're going to be remastered or something like that. Um, It's not going to be a Final Fantasy VII remake It's not going to be a full remake, um, but they are promising... Across the board update, says Eurogamer, 
um, including graphical improvements and gameplay enhancements while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. Maintaining uh, the classic look means it's just going to be an up of the existing game. Maybe. Well, but what I was um, interested yeah. in is also, in advance of this, uh, they're going to be removing all existing versions of GTA 3 via setting of San Andreas from digital retailers and on PC and console. So if you've bought them already, you're still going to have them, but you're no no longer going to be able to buy the original versions of those games. But I mean, Which... the, the the versions that exist on platforms right now are not the original versions of those games. Like they they've they've had like I don't think GTA Three originally came out on PC anyway. So the the versions that exist, uh, I mean, are in themselves port. already ports. Well, it did have a PC port did like it? at the time, like in two thousand and three. Oh, I'm I'm completely wrong. Then I thought it's I thought it was like a PS2 exclusive. It was for a, like a year and a half. Okay, it, right. It, but then it had a port PC. across to the PC in yeah. so, in some capacity. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, these are games that weren't originally developed for the PC or for mobile or for any of those sort of things. And so, I suppose the question is of whether you consider these like the things that exist on these storefronts to be any form of definitive edition of that game i mean yeah i mean i guess but like pc versions are the same pc versions that came out originally right and if you're playing right, like okay. it on console retailers you're basically playing like it like it's the content's all the same right yeah of course you can mod your pc version and get better graphics anyway i yeah. thought it's quite interesting that obviously we don't know what these remasters will look like uh, but you know, however they look, you're not going to be able to play the originals. Um, what I that is true, yeah. Certainly, in terms of like I'm a video game, in, yeah, preservation, which is a big yes. problem at the moment. The idea of removing yeah. stuff from storefronts is is maybe not great. And I'm quite interested in. I mean, I know Rockstar have the money to do so, but like, are they going to relicense all that music? No, for all those games. I'll say it here, no. So yeah, exactly. That, that's one issue, potential issue as well. Like they might not relicense all that music. Certainly not know. all three of them releasing at once. If they were to just do Vice City, for example, like as a launch, I could maybe see them relicensing for like a big Vice City relaunch. But the idea of just slotting it in with two other games, I just don't see them as... But the music like makes that game though. Yeah, I agree. But so, I mean, we'll, 80s, we'll 80s music is difficult to license uh, for these sort of things as it is. Espe- especially like. now that 80, like there's been a big 80s nostalgia boom. Yeah. That there wasn't at the time Vice City came out. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's something that's going to be... I just don't see them doing it. I'd, I'd like yeah, to be we'll... wrong. How, how have you found your replay of GTA 3? All right. GTA 3 is a game that I played way too young. Because yeah, okay, uh, yeah, being being spurred on by this news, I went. I've kind of been replaying some GTA Three. Um, yeah, I played a lot of it though at the time. My my uncle bought it for me when he really shouldn't have, um, when I was a bit too young to be playing it. But I've got big memories of GTA Three. Uh, it's it's a real janky game. It's a uh, it's weird yeah. to think that like this was uh, so that these three GTA games. GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, they were made on an engine, I believe, called Renderware, which at the time was kind of a budget graphics engine, or it was like Rockstar didn't make the graphics engine themselves. It was like an off-the-shelf engine that they basically bought to like render the games like quickly and effectively. And even for a game that came out like 2001, 
era, it looks a bit ugly. Um, yes, it does. The GTA yeah, games it's, didn't it's not really a good-looking become, game. Become, what Rockstar games didn't really become known for like having great graphics until like GTA 4. So Yeah. Or maybe the original Red Dead Yeah, what, what made GTA 3... What, what I feel like made GTA 3 like particularly engaging for people was the level of freedom it offered you like there yes. hadn't really it, it, been it, this open world city yes. game and those kind of open before. world especially in, in full 3d right um yeah, yeah that, exactly. that was the novelty uh yeah, there are some real early 2000s jokes in there <laughs> um definitely yep. some yep. of the humor's not aged too well some but it yep. is in all respects uh some of it is like very stupidly funny like i still find myself chuckling at some of it um not the bad stuff, but some of it's like probably the, the juvenile. Do you think they take that out? Some of it. That, that's do a, you that's think they do a pass over some what, of those? That's jokes? what I'm interested in, and I, I think is I wouldn't object to that because no, a lot uh, of people then, would. Uh, whether they're right but, or wrong is is a whole yeah. other matter. But, but then that that kind of um, comes up against the idea of like re- remasters. What good are they? You know, is it should you be aiming to have this game remastered or is it something? people should play and understand on like it's in its own context of the time exactly. in which it came out. Uh, but, you know, it, it is in all respects an immensely juvenile game. Juvenile in terms of like where Rockstar was in like the development of the GTA franchise. Like going from the 2D GTAs into like the fully realized 3D world is impressive, but also obviously there's a lot that they need to work out and to iron yeah. out those kinks. Uh, so, yeah, there's, I feel like there's a lot. Probably of got there by the time they hit San Andreas. Like when yeah, they're on San, San Andreas, Andreas it's... I played a lot of as well, and San Andreas was um, very much more polished. Although it still got that juvenile sense of humor. Like uh, the thing is, GTA Three is all like big stereotypes and like broad characters, and everything is kind of a bit humorous. Um, and so, and People it's very miss juvenile that, I think, in like from GTA a bit. Like, yeah, it's they... juvenile in the sense of like. Ha ha! Drugs and prostitutes and your murders—it's all in yeah. good fun. Um, whereas San Andreas is kind of weird tonally because in San Andreas they kind of try to do a serious story about like LA gang violence and like your main character is like a black guy who kind of gets like victimized by the police a bit, and there's a story about like police corruption and they kind of have in San Andreas kind of does a semi-serious story, but then there's still missions where, like, you're stealing from Area 51, and you have to, like, yeah. steal a guy's rap lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah. It's very, uh, yeah, San Andreas is, like, more mixed in tone. i say GTA 3 is more consistent in tone, at least. Um, well, you have to pick one tone, or the other, it, I think, really, don't you? But GTA 3's tone is the tone of, like, a 12-year-old's bedroom. <laughs> How much Eminem have you listened to while playing it? Oh, I don't think Eminem's in his. I don't think he's in the game, but how have you? I I I imagine you turning the music off. Maybe sticking Eminem. Oh, all right. I'll tell you what. Let put on GTA Three. I'll crack out the Marshall Mathers LP, and we'll really enjoy. We'll play the Eminem show as well, and we'll really, um, really enjoy those early two thousands vibes. There's someone I follow on Twitter who um, tends to go on these hyperfixation like. Spend months fight, like focusing on one particular thing, and this month she's been focusing on Eminem and tweeting absolutely loads about it. It's really fascinating to see how like in depth she goes. Well, I'll, I'll link it, link it to you. Click right. it, you get a lot. Eminem's had some good uh, songs in his life and some bad ones. 
and some bad ones and some He's bad songs. Guy. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. Just, I, I, it was the nicest way you could put it. <laughs> um, have you ever seen Eminem like do like a celebrity interview or like he appears on these like some YouTube shows? They've no, got like not. um uh it's very weird because so Eminem is he's not a good comedian. Here we go. He Yeah. That's my thing. He appears on like these chat shows and on like, you know, YouTube those YouTube channels which are like, we go shoe shopping with a celebrity and stuff like that. Yeah. Um and the thing is, he doesn't have a sense of comic timing, which is no. ironic because he needs good timing to stay on the beat in his rap music. But Well yeah, but he can he, do that over like a you you can practice that like to a to a point where he gets it down, whereas on like, on the cuff comic comic timing is very different. Like because he tells jokes when he's on these shows, but he just says it in such a, like a deadpan way. You don't think he's joking? <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, That's the sort of jokes people make when they smoke too much weed. Eminem, I'm sorry, but you're not a great comedian. <laughs> He was thankfully he was never trying to be like they're not, they're not comedy. I guess not. No. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh, Eminem. I mean, some, some of it is very. Some of it, he, def- he definitely get, does skits get, get. with his raps, right? He, but yeah, he he passes, and that's like a thing in a lot of rap albums. They do skits, and uh, Eminem, get me and Cal on your new album. <laughs> I just want there'll be a song called like Breathless or something featuring Cal and Scott. Will there is absolutely no way I get anywhere go anywhere near an Eminem album because I know at some point there's gonna be some cancelled shit coming out and I do not <laughs> want to have any involvement with that. Uh, like anyway, it's just it's GTA just it's probably gonna happen. GTA three, similar to Eminem, it's not a great comedian, but it tries and it has <laughs> certain an enjoyable youthful energy about Brilliant. it. But just beware uh, you're going into a, an area there's gonna be some horribly offensive and off-color jokes in there and i don't mean that like oh they're very it's you're you're like entering conversation with like an edgy 12 year old it's like trying to watch only fools and horses now yeah but so only fools and horses isn't trying to be like gta3 was trying to be like offensive and edgy in its time right okay i get you Okay. Uh, because like only Falls and Horses was just like it just hasn't stuff well, that was that to... was acceptable to stay at that time. Yeah. Do you think yeah. these new games, the the remakes of GTA, should release with that Looney Tune style notice at the start, which says this content is being shown in I the mean, context it, of the, the age help. in which it was made? Yeah. I, I mean, that's one approach to it, right? That that might help of being yeah. like, look, we. Do. Although to be fair. It would help if Rockstar wasn't still doing like shitty things today, and that's the thing is I'm yeah. not really very interested in giving Rockstar money for the like new versions of these games, so I don't know if I'll play them. But yeah, it it might ring less hollow if they weren't doing shitty stuff today. So who knows? <laughs> I hear they've got a bit better in the past two years. I since since the the latest launch, I my understanding is some movement has happened and they've got better. Well. But who knows? Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about. So we we talked about um, change, like going back and changing things from like an existing game, right? Like, like do you do preserve that stuff and say it's product of its time, Mm -hmm. or do you go back and change these things with second pass? Can you jump to the World of Warcraft updates news story, please? Yeah. 
Uh, World of Warcraft update. I know we said we wouldn't cover Blizzard games, but I, f- I wanted to raise this in the context of what's been going on at Blizzard because I think it's interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on it, so if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Tell so what the, the news, news story here is that World of Warcraft has done an update where it removes suggestive flirts and jokes from the from the from the game. You know where you can type like slash flirt or slash joke mm-hmm. and your character would make a make a do a joke of some sort. So this is part of their cleaning up of World of Warcraft after the historic after the allegations of harassment at the company. And their latest round of doing that apparently is just removing some jokes from the game. And some of these are granted are fairly bad. But I think it's Interesting, and I don't. I I was wondering what you thought. So you got you've got jokes, which I wish I'll repeat here. Um, you've got like a blood elf female saying, "Normally I only ride on epic mounts, but let's talk." Uh, you've got a demon hunter male saying, "Are you sure you're not part demon? I find myself wanting to stalk you." Uh, goblin female saying. I'm a modern goblin woman, independent. I still let men do nice things to me, but I stop giving them any credit. Just, just things like like these sort of jokes, which mm-hmm. they're not good. Pretty, pretty. I mean, I'm more offended that they're like shit jokes. Yeah, but you, you. I mean, my, I my main reaction see... to this. Go on. My main reaction to this is that people are weren't mad about the. Old World of Warcraft like lines Blizzard. That's not what they were mad about about no. your company culture. That's not really. I don't really care that much about. Yeah. If this is like their attempt to like make amends for their culture of harassment, this this isn't the issue. Like th- what they're doing is like okay, so people don't like the personality of our game. Let's just remove that then. Like these jokes aren't very good, but like, it's not I, I like feel like I, I feel like this is a solution to a problem that no one really had. I, I, I've not seen a lot of people being like, ah, oh, these old jokes in World of Warcraft, although they are shit. Like, Some of them are new. Uh, they, Some of them are from like the most recent expansion. Hmm. Uh, I mean, some of them are also fairly sexist, certainly, especially these like older ones, but a lot of them are. Yeah. Which, which maybe they shouldn't, they, they probably shouldn't be in there anyway. But the fact that they're doing this as like a look, we can change thing without necessarily. Dealing with the root of the problem. I, mean, I know people have left or whatever, but I don't. This is yeah, such but... a weird thing to be like. This is our new yeah. direction. Like, also, ah, the, the blood elf male will say, "Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me?" You don't remember? Do you that? remember that song, I rem- Cal? I remember that song. Do you remember that song? <laughs> it's a bad reference, but it's not. <laughs> no one's offended by that line. No. Uh, this is like an intrinsic problem of having a game that you've maintained for like 20 years, nearly 15 years, and also having a problem that with a game that like used a lot of shitty gamer humor yeah. and over time incorporated more and more like community in jokes. Yeah. But yeah, like whatever. Um, I think it's particularly interesting in the con in terms of like archival. Like, we know that content was in the game. It's kind of interesting to me in the sense of, like, with a MMO like this, you can't go back and play the original version without 
basically breaking your license agreement. Like you would have to go and play on like a third party server. But I mean, you got you got World of Warcraft Classic, which you know, for all intents and purposes, is the original version. Does it still have these lines in it? I don't know if this took the lines out Maybe. of that as well. I know they yeah, definitely anyway. removed some things from it because they yeah. removed like um, the statue that was a a statue in reference to the like the main guy who was doing the sexual harassment. Like he's been removed in the same yeah. way that they're changing McCree's name in Overwatch because he's named after that guy. Like they're gonna do a. St- What's McCree being called? I don't. They've not said yet, but apparently it's gonna be like a story update where his name gets changed. So you know they're okay. gonna do some like, look, we're woke now thing with him, where yeah. suddenly, we, but you know. But in terms of like, Blizzard as, as a company, this isn't what people were pissed off about. Blizzard. No. Think, sort yourself out. This is a byproduct of some shitty humor and some like sexist attitudes, but this isn't like. This wasn't causing the issues. This Bloodell female. So I went to this troll spa the other day and I wound up with dreadlocks and a frigging bone in my nose. I mean, come on, who pays for that? I mean, the trolls themselves are fairly that racist. That one doesn't even caric- make sense. It's a racist. It's because the trolls yeah. are racist caricatures, aren't they, essentially? They are just like Afro Caribbeans. Yeah. So I guess it's that, but also the joke doesn't make any sense. Like, but what's interesting to me, and maybe it's a testament to like, just blizzards a Drain whole not wanting female. to spend I, not wait 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 Drain Drain I female I want you to in a post in um what's it called in stars lick and splat my gurgling noises slurping noises like I get it kind of it doesn't really make sense but I sort of get what they're trying to do there and it's like a you know God gamers are horny aren't they <laughs> someone like this is all like for horny gamers to be like unless wink yeah exactly what they didn't they've not replaced them with anything is what i'm trying is what i was trying to say before in that sort of like i feel like if you're gonna do this to be like look we've changed you'd replace them with more tasteful jokes as opposed to just oh the characters don't say as much like it was done in a rush yeah like someone at blizzard was like oh hey we've got all these i've remembered we've got all (laughs) these voice lines yeah just get them out quickly trust me uh, high mountain tour and mail trust me I have experience exploring deep places. That's a flirt. Ooh. High Mountain Tour and female. Flirt. Are you staring at my rack? <laughs> Not even really a joke. It's all variations on the... Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I think it's interesting. Um, I don't necessarily think it's... Uh, I don't think it's a good thing necessarily, but I, I, I guess I don't. I don't know what else. I, What's your conclusion on it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, did you want to talk about the Dragon Ball Superhero trailer at all? Yeah. So there's going to be a new Dragon Ball Super film called Dragon Ball Super Code on Superhero. Bad name, but I'll we'll uh, go with it. Bad name. <laughs> um, but they released the first trailer for it, and it has a much, uh, style that is much more visibly like CGI than pre. Obviously. The previous films used computer graphics, but they looked like uh, they were in more of a 2D animation well, style. Well, the previous but films this one would, is gonna was, use was done, like 2D models. animation. Certainly Broly, a lot of Broly is hand-drawn animation. Um, but then when you get to like fight scenes, uh, you, you do get cuts to like a 3D version of those characters um, in order to hmm. easierly, more easily animate the fight scenes, I guess. Um, but these Dragon Ball Super Superhero... I'm not. I'm. I'm never going to used to saying that. Uh, is completely CGI. Uh, in a, but in done in a way that looks. They try to sort of like match the like a 2D anime style, 
and it. I don't. Hate I don't it. hate it. It mostly works. Like, I, I'm not in. I'm not in love with it either. The thing that's happening right. I don't. I don't know how much this affects um, toy animation, uh, which do the the Dragon Ball shows. But I'd imagine quite a bit is that right now with anime, there's more anime being made than ever before and there's a lot more studios certainly western studios fighting for the rights for anime and so like anime studios are under more pressure to get anime out the door not only is there more anime being made there's more good looking anime being made than ever before and i watch a lot of it and so what that means is you've got these studios that are absolutely stretched to the brim to try and get these these products out the door and are looking for ways to do it in a quicker way. And so... What way? How can you be stretched to the brim? Yeah, I'm bad. I, I'm sorry. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, though. Um, they're, they're being really stretched thin uh, to the brim. And they just want to get this stuff... They need to get this stuff out the door. And so you are getting a lot of studios looking at ways to speed up the anime the, the animating process. And one way of doing that is with with this CGI. Because... Once you have character models, it's a lot more like puppeteering. It it sounds easier. It's still not easy, but you're more puppeteering as opposed to hand-drawing every single image that you see on the screen. And so I suppose it makes sense that the next Dragon Ball movie would be CGI. Like the the previous Lupin movie, Lupin the Third, that was CGI. Uh, Ghibli recently did a CGI movie. And it it certainly seems the way that a lot of anime studios are going especially for some of their big budgets properties. And so I understand it. And I think they've done in like considering that they've done a fairly good job with it, with it. Yeah. I mean, we've only seen one trailer, so we don't know how it will look finally on the screen. Yeah. I would say it reminded me a bit of, um, Spider-Man, um, into the Spider-Verse, but in the sense of, um, like, I was telling you, like, I think it was um, animated on the threes, as they say. So yeah. if you don't know, in a lot of animation, um, they don't animate all 24 frames per second. Movies run at 24 frames per second, but that's a lot of frames of animation to do for a feature length film. So typically, um, animated films of all kinds will be what they call animated on the twos, which basically means there are 24 frames per second, but there are 12 unique frames. So each frame is doubled up. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was animated on the threes, so there are actually only eight unique frames per second and they're tripled up, and that gives it quite a distinctive-looking style, which I think is more noticeable in a CGI form as well. It's, it's, and, sort of, it's almost stuttery, but in a way that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't uh, look bad. Yeah. I don't know for definite, but looking at that trailer, it kind of looked like Dragon Ball Super Superhero was uh, done in the same way. My concern is Into the Spider-Verse incorporated that um, that look into like a stylistic design yes and a cohesive visual look i don't know if dragon ball super colon superhero will do the same thing yeah with with um spider-verse they added it into the story as well like as he hits like once he gets used to his powers miles morales and becomes like good at being spider-man he's then switched to being animated on the twos and he becomes a lot more fluid and smooth. Oh, I, d- I didn't notice that before. Yeah, it's it's you'll notice towards the end he becomes a lot more fluid and smooth with, with his animation to sort of denote that increase in his, his like abilities. Um, and so it's very much used in a purposeful sense. I imagine with the Dragon Ball Super colon superhero movie, <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, we're we're going to keep doing it. Um, I imagine it's done more to try and reflect that sort of like stuttery hand-drawn nature of anime 
But Dragon Ball always looks super smooth, though. But I mean, in, in to to try and replicate two D as three D, I feel like it's like three D looks very different as a smooth motion to what two D does. Like I, I feel like two D, you still thinking it in, like it still gets sort of like treated in a way of like a flip book notebook. You know, when you're flicking through all the pictures, those move in a certain way. Whereas if they were 3D animated, they would move in a different way. And I feel like when you 3D animate 2D to try and make it reflect this 2D animation, you stutter it up a little bit. I, I don't, I don't know what you mean. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know what I mean, but I don't know how to say. Right. It. That's something I struggle with sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm just. Uh, we'll see how it works out. I, like I said, I don't hate it. I, I want to love it. Maybe I'll love it when it comes out. But Brody looks so good. I, yeah. I just hope they can match that. I mean, I, I was saying to you as well, like, um, my sort of look for, for anime movies, I look at, like, when you look at the high, like, budgets, 2D anime movies, they look really damn good. And it's I'm sort of, it's a bit of a shame not to get another Dragon Ball like that, I think. Um, yeah. The new My Hero Academia, even though it's, like, it features 2D characters in a lot of, like, 3D action backdrops, and that's what a lot of, like, anime does now in order to reduce the background animation side of it which takes up a lot of lot of time so they can just focus on doing really well animated main characters in these like action scenes and that looks really good as well and you get that that detailed character movement with a backdrop that's moving very quickly so it doesn't matter too much if it's 3d anyway and i suppose i i, I really like that look as opposed to a full 3d film but we'll see um it's a new direction anyway, and certainly Dragon Ball has taken new directions of its art style before, so it's not like this is a first for Dragon Ball. And I'd be interested to see if they do more of this in a future series. Who knows? Um, I'm, I'm wary of us getting... We're getting on a bit, so let's see... Wh- we're getting on what a should bit. I cut out here? Let's Can Can you do the breaking news for Genshin Impact? Because I feel like you'd like it. I feel like you'll bit, find this bit, funny. Bit, 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 it's bit, like bit, literally bit, bit, breaking news today. You've broken the hyperlink. I can't open oh, it. Uh, One second. Try now. Okay, I can. <laughs> but, 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 um, Genshin Impact cancels Elon Musk event following fan pushback. <laughs> it's like they've just ad libbed a headline. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Please read. Please read this this story for me. Uh, is great. Uh, so apparently, Genshin Impact, which is a video game, Genshin, I've Impact, not played Genshin is, Impact is a Breath of the Wild alike. It's free. To, it's like a free to play gacha. Breath oh, of the Wild. yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, so the official Twitter account tweeted a contest in which the rewards included inviting billionaire CEO Elon Musk. Uh, to the developers' corporate headquarters in Shanghai. Uh, but the contest was rapidly cancelled as fans made their feelings about it known. And this is from Kotaku. It is fucking weird. Like, you've got... It's just, it's just absolutely bizarre. Like, they, they uh, thought so that appara- the context yeah. and what your prize would be that Elon Musk would go do a thing with the so game. So, sometime before announcing the contest, the Twitter account changed its display name from Paimon, the guide fairy who aids players during the main quest to Genshin Impact. The account then posted an image of the following text around 10pm. Follow Elon Musk. Ella, uh, follow Ella, Ella Musk. Musk at Paimon to the moon. When 500,000 fans follow, Genshin Impact will be renamed back to Paimon. Yes. 
when one million fans follow, Genshin Impact will follow Elon Musk. When three million fans follow, Genshin Impact will invite Elon Musk to stream Genshin Impact. When five million fans follow, CEO Dawei will invite Elon Musk to visit my Hoyo HQ. <laughs> Clearly, someone at the my Hoyo, someone at the, is really into the Elon Musk. Really wanted to meet Elon Musk. Yeah, and he thought all the fans of the game would want to meet him as well. It's incredibly bizarre and very funny. And the fans of this game, it's it's I mean, it looks like an anime game. They are very much into the characters of the game and the world of the game. They are not into Elon Musk, and they turned on this <laughs> immediately. Like, this is an incredible misreading of your own fan base. Um, and granted, it's, it's not necessarily a Western studio, so I suppose, like, they wouldn't necessarily know what their Western fans... Like, how how much their Western fans didn't like Elon Musk. But you'd imagine, you'd imagine they would, but it's just... An, I've not seen anything like this. Like, like they've shut, they had to shut it down within a day because of how much hate they were getting from their own fans. But they were clearly so into this idea of getting Elon Musk to come visit their studio? It's fucking weird. People don't like Elon Musk. Do they just want money? Is that what it is? Or do you reckon they just want to go to the moon? I I feel like someone just fucking wanted to meet Elon Musk. It's so bizarre. I <laughs> I love it. It's uh, one of my favourite news things. It's- if 10 fans follow our Instagram account, I will invite Patrick Stewart on the show. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. You can do you can do whatever you want. And who who thinks the reward is that Elon Musk gets to do so, or someone gets to do something with Elon Musk? There, there, there aren't any rewards for the fans. That's though. not a reward. The, the, the rewards are simply that Elon Musk will maybe be in the game and will come to the, the developer's HQ. It's just weird. It's just really fucking weird um i i do not get it like, but i know i get that there's like a cult of personality around elon musk for some reason but oh, it's just it's just bizarre um the biggest news story i think from the past week is that twitch leaked oh yeah there's been like the biggest data leak in history yeah about twitch like some people have hacked twitch got all this information but it looks like they're doing it because they don't like how Twitch is run. And like they're, they're, this so, stuff is very so much being said. leaked to damage Twitch as opposed to harm individuals. Yeah. Uh, so basically, listeners, there's been a massive data leak on Twitch, uh, the streaming platform owned by Amazon. And it's, it's huge. It's like a huge amount of data. It might be the biggest data leak in history. It's got stuff going right back to like the early days of yeah. Twitch. It's got stuff related to... Um, and an abandoned Steam competitor that Amazon was apparently working on at one point. It's got stuff related to um, streamers' payouts. So it actually has a big, a lot of data, um, like years of data on how much certain streamers were actually earning. And it's a lot. Uh, yeah, some people were earning quite a lot of money. Um, like, yeah, and it's got a bunch of stuff like that. What's, what's this? So there's a lot of stuff that come out from this. I mean, one... The twi- the amount that Twitch streamers earn and the just top the ones. top ones not the, yeah not <laughs> we don't stream on Twitch anymore and the discrepancy between like the male earning and, and like like female what what like non males earn on that platform uh, is 
incredible, especially when a lot of what the hate of that platform gets is like women streamers taking over the platform or something, which just is absolutely not the case. Um, what I find interesting, or not interesting, but like kind of gross about some of these big earners, and we're not going to go into what they're actually earning. You can you can go find that yourself. But people earning in their millions while also treating their viewers as a community, as like a, as like a family of people who are, they're there to support each other. Like you get to watch my stuff and I'm here with you and we're talking to each other. Meanwhile, what you're doing is earning me $5 million just from the, just from you watching my Twitch. That's before you guys donate to my little donation box that I've got on my stream. That's before you buy my merchandise. It's just it's it feels like a very We're a family man, and we help each other through any personal and legal battles yeah. we might get into. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I knew top stream top Twitch streamers earned a fair bit, and I've always felt very uneasy about that aspect, like pushing that family dynamic. It's the same thing that when like when workplaces push a family dynamic at work because they want to gain something from you by making you feel lo- more loyal to them more like you know it's um mm. but i feel especially weird about it now that i've seen just how much some of these streamers are earning it's uh it's it's gross and i don't well there's not there's not like a solution to it but it's it's quite something well the leaker has apparently promised that there's a part two coming nice. so we'll see what happens what did what does yeah. leaker want from this um they claimed that they were doing it because they were unhappy about a lot of the revelate about the stuff of like Twix, the Twix, Twix, Twitch, the, the Twix part. Look, fine, look, we're, the twi- we're all bad with words today, all right? <laughs> Twitch not doing, not taking like harassment seriously and stuff. But they also leaked it on 4chan. I do feel like yeah. saying yeah. like this company really doesn't take the like safety of minorities seriously, and then choosing to release the data on 4chan yeah, is a bit, a, bit. <laughs> a bit weird. But that's what they that's what they've said. But the leaker has apparently said, um, who knows? And they haven't they leaked like um, people's usernames and passwords or anything. As far as we as know, far as no. we know, which is at the very least like good. Don't don't do that if you're going to try and damage a company. Don't also put real people in like in danger of having their shit stolen with that it's i suppose we'll see where it goes but it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff here and twitch took a few days to acknowledge it for what it's worth they were just uh, oh yeah their response was pretty their response was like yeah we've been hacked and we didn't they didn't realize until it got released that they had been hacked like this could have happened Mm -hmm. at any point um and they don't know why they've been hacked or anything like that, which is... They've had a little oopsie-daisy. As <laughs> it's formally known. Um, another company's had some some issues this week. Uh, speaking uh, Another oh, yeah. Amazon company has had some issues this week. Uh, Amazon Games is facing backlash after New World, their MMO, uh, their region transfer. They've done a U-turn on it. So... When New World launched, it, it did spectacularly well, as MMOs tend to do on launch day, and the servers basically shat themselves because that's what happens when a load of people trying to get on servers at once is they can't handle capacity, they, they can't handle like the the stress of it, and so Amazon said to people, "We'll have free server movements, so you can be with your friends. Just go pick a server, get your character on it, and then when everything calms down, you can move across to be with your friends." 
uh, someone asked, would it be possible to switch from like a US server to a European one? Because the US servers are quieter right now. I can go over there and then move across to the European one afterwards. And they said, yep, you can move between regions if you want. And so people reassured that they could do this, went for any server they could join, even though it's not in another region, and then played for 80 hours, 100 hours, 200 hours in the space of the few weeks that it's been open. And then Amazon came out and said, actually, you can't do a region transfer with the servers. It's just not, we, we, we're not allowing it to happen for whatever reason. You just can't do it. So these people are now locked on a server away from their friends and have essentially feel like they've wasted money and time with a character they can no longer use if they want to play with their friends. Which is just a shitty way to launch an MMO and also try to maintain a like a, a fan base, I guess, for a new property. It just feels like, like the wrong way of doing things. And if, if anyone you, can sort out a region... Amazon, you know. Like, well, no, because we've heard that Amazon, uh, Amazon's IT department is apparently uh, some a guy in a server room. Oh, isn't, isn't that Facebook? Facebook? No, I'm just talking about Amazon cybersecurity. Oh, really? I, don't, I haven't heard about that. I was making, I was making oh, a Oh, right, joke. okay, sorry. But No, because Twitch got hacked. Oh, yeah, of course. That was an Amazon <laughs> company. Sorry. That's what we just discussed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's already been a long week. <laughs> this is this is like I, if we'd done the podcast last week, I'd been even worse than this. Yeah. Um, so it's probably you know, uh, it's. I mean, Amazon Games can't really get anything right. I mean, that's ignoring yeah. New World's whole colonialism thing, which is the idea of you're you're just people who've entered a new world and you're going to start building upon it. You have a new world that nobody lives yeah. in. <laughs> Apart from these monsters that we hate. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Amazon can't really do much right, and it's it's amusing to me, but I feel bad for the players. Maybe Jeff, Jeff Bezos needs to visit the offices of Genshin Impact. <laughs> <laughs> if enough people like this Twitter account for Amazon, <laughs> um, Jeff Bezos will fix the game the final story of the of the week uh is a is a good one i've got a good story for you from a big oh yeah a big triple a company idos montreal oh. oh they've announced that their workers are permanently switching to four day weeks that's not so bad it's pretty good right that's not so bad providing that actually does mean because when it says it's shorting its work week from forty hours to thirty-two hours, that's providing that that it has, is actually thirty-two hours. We all know the stories of some companies where you, you're contracted to so many hours, yeah. but actually you work as much as they say you work. Yes. Right. So I, I I hope that it is a genuine thirty-two hour week. I have not. Don't believe I've heard much come out from Idos Montreal in terms of crunch no, work. We, we haven't had any massive. Like horrible accusations. So. I, I'm sure there has been crunch in the past, but I mean, what I've seen recently, like like the new Ratchet and Clank game, is a big AAA experience that has been made with zero crunch, and so it's certainly possible to make this big AAA game without any crunch. And their their new game, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they've they've got a Guardians of the Galaxy game coming out next week. It looks fairly good. It's single player, has no multiplayer components or microtransactions whatsoever, and so it's just a condensed single player experience. 
hopefully that means if they if they keep doing that sort of thing, they can keep this up, and um, that's that's ultimately good for their employees. It turns out not every game needs to be a service, Scott. Yeah, it turns out you can't just make and sell a video. Yeah, just like the old days. And so IDOS has claimed that this will not affect the salary or working conditions of their employees. And they, yeah, I say I hope, I hope there it's going to be good. I hope it's a real four day week and good luck. They're to the them. first AAA video game studio to do this, and also one of the only like big corporations to really try this. Like I, I don't. That's the that's the direction that I feel like we should be going and selfishly because I want another day off a week, but also it's just right for your employees. They don't need to be working five day weeks in order to get things done. People are provably more efficient if they work a short. It's true. That's been proved in, in like this whole countries have tried it and it's proven to work out well. Um, So to see capitalist corporations starting to get behind that, um, well, well, especially in America, we'll see, we'll see oh, wait, they, no, I just want to just Canada, Canada, isn't it? I don't yeah. know where anything is. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it's 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 good. I hope I hope it works out well for them. So hopefully, more studios hope will follow they suit. Really mean it. Yeah, more studios will follow suits. Hopefully, and we'll see what happens there. I feel like every news article we end with, we'll see what happens because that's just the way well, of. What, what the world. can we say? Uh. That brings us to the final part of the podcast, unless there's anything else you wanted to raise in terms of news, Scott. Oh, no, that's fine. Cool. I've got a question of the week for you, which I added on just before the podcast started, so you probably haven't seen this yet. Uh, do you have a show, like a TV show, or a film, or a series, that you like that is filled with characters that you don't like? And I will give yeah community community. You don't like any. You don't like any characters. Community. I, I think especially as the series goes on, they all get flanderized and become far less likable. But for me, the reason I raised this is because I finished the latest season of Sex Education this week. Have you seen Sex Education? I've not seen Sex. It's a show on Netflix. It's it. uh, it's about uh, a UK school with a bunch of like teenagers in, in the it. Forest of Dean, right? That's where it's filmed. No, no, it's filmed in Wales. So I don't know. So UK school, um, and there's a bunch of teenagers, and it's all about like sex, you know, horny teenagers stuff essentially. But in in a in a package of there's some there's some like romance, and there's some like serious storylines and things. But none of the characters, I don't like any of the characters. It's been like, it's got like four seasons so far, I think, and I don't like anyone, but I enjoy the show as a whole. I think it's mostly well written. I don't think it's ha ha funny, but I think it's like enjoyable to watch. And yet, every character I just find annoying, and they grate on me. But I don't think that's purposeful. I don't think like they intend for these characters to be annoying. I think you're meant to like these characters, but I don't like them. But and not even in a they're teenagers way. Just in a I don't think they're particularly good characters. And so I don't know why I like the show as a whole. I, I just wondered if you if you got that. So you've, you, okay. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, really. I've, I've said community. 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 I feel like all the characters and community get really flanderized, especially Britta. But is that is that across the entire show that you feel that way, or just in like the later seasons? Because for me, Sex Education, it has always been the way. It, it also happened uh, in the show Love on Netflix. I guess the characters have their moments. Troy is an alright character. As yeah. Well. But but he's counterbalanced by fucking John Oliver, who is an innately hateful person. <laughs> 
It's very, he's very annoying, especially uh, in that. It should show. be fair to John Oliver. He did open one of his like panel shows once by being to his American audience by being like, "Hi there, my name's John Oliver." But as I'm known in Britain, who <laughs> he, it's he, true. he does seem to he does seem to be quite self-aware that he just couldn't make it in Britain, so he went to America and made it in a in a much bigger place. Um, made it where if you're like British in America, you automatically get handed like a recording contract and a five-year TV. Just deal. ask James Corden. Uh, this, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, okay. That's the end of the show. The end of the podcast. Um, yeah, it was a good one. Chunky one. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Sorry for not understanding where places we're, are. It's, it's late in the evening. We're tired, but we're doing it anyway. That's what you want from your podcast host, right? <laughs> just They're just doing it anyway. Love you. Sometimes just a Bye. Bye. <laughs> Wait. Do you want to say where people if can you, find you? Yeah, Nerd and Dog Geek on Instagram is our Instagram account. You can find me at Scott V A H on Instagram if you really want. I also have a painting account where I do some miniature painting called Scott Hunter Studios. Uh, you can find me at Cal Doughty, C A L D O U G H T Y on Twitter. You can also go on YouTube and do Nerd and Dog Geek to find the cooking videos I've been making on there. They're good. Uh, you also check the bio, the the description below um to see my music playlists and you'll see us again in two weeks or three weeks goodbye everyone goodbye have a good time see ya